Welcome to If Life Were Perfect. We're Josh and Laura Meyer. Hey, guys. And today we're going to be talking about increasing your income. So last week we were talking about budgeting. And one of the things we said we could do is we could cut stuff. The other thing we said we could do is we could increase income. And so this is a fun topic. Who doesn't want to have more income? This is a topic that Laura and I talk about all the time at the law firm. We just did this the other week, looking at ways that we can increase our income. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You hear a lot of times about having you know side jobs and extra hustles and working 24 hours, but this is if life were perfect. And I don't think you want to work 24 hours, right, Laura? I feel like I do with the kids, but no, I don't. Right. Well, you do. Even your superwoman, you put in more, more hours than anybody. If you're a mom or a dad, you never stop. But at least with your day job. Or a mom. Or just a mom, fine. If you if you got lucky and married well like me, but you know nobody out there on their on their uh, supposed nine to five job, nobody wants it to be you know a six to six or you know six to ten job. Uh, People want to be able to have less hours, but you still want to be able to increase your income while maintaining that quality of life. And so what we want to look at today is ways where you may be able to increase your income without necessarily having to put in a million extra hours. A lot of this will go back to your. If life were perfect list, you're going to really want to think about why you want to increase your income, what those goals are and what type of income you need to be able to achieve them. So as we share these principles with you, keep in mind the why. And it's not just to you know collect as much money as possible. And we certainly don't ever want to overcharge someone or not have a fair price for what we do. But think about what it is that you're trying to accomplish and how much increase you really do need. Right, because we're going to offer three different ways that we've seen and we've used ourselves to increase income. And so which route you choose is probably going to be dictated primarily by what your other goals are. So the first thing we really want you to think about when it comes to increasing income is to know your value. And so, so many of us naturally undervalue ourselves, especially if we're afraid or we're panicked, we're worried that we don't have enough money. The natural instinct so many times is to cut our fees so we can compete or you're desperate for a job. So you'll you'll take whatever comes along rather than getting paid what you're truly worth. And that's all motivated by fear. And so I know for us, we went through this when we started the law firm. We shared, you know, last week's episode how it was a financial struggle And I had a family come to me to interview me to be their estate planning attorney. And I did need the money at the time. And the husband wanted to pay me less than what our prices were. And Josh, you were always good about no hold firm on your pricing, because if you just compete on price, there's always somebody cheaper. And then in the long run, you're not going to have a sustainable business. Yeah, it's just no way to do it. You're you're basing it on volume, then then you really do have to work 24 seven. That's a losing game in the long run. Yeah. And then how great can you be at your service if you're super cheap and you don't have the manpower to provide something great? So he didn't hire me. And then I got a call eight months later and it was him. And I thought, why is this guy calling me? So I took his call and he literally launched back into the same conversation he did with me eight months earlier. I don't even think he said hello. He just like launched into it about why I should cut my fee. And he said, There is a competitor of yours down the street from you who will do it for $500 less. And I said, well, then why are you calling me? And there was a long pause and he said, well, my wife and children really like you. And I said, well, then you're going to have to pay my fee. And he did. He did pay my fee. And he has sent me so many clients since then. And so that was great for me because it made me realize that 
If you are providing a service that's truly valuable and you have fairly set your prices based on what you're providing, because I doubt the competitor honestly was providing what we were, people will pay you. You tell people what you're worth at the end of the day. Don't let other people tell you what you're worth. You tell yourself what you're worth. And that does, though, require an honest assessment by you of how much you are worth. When you do that assessment, be honest, are you providing the most value? Because it's one thing to charge a high fee, but in the long run, that won't pay out if you're not actually providing the service and value. That's one of the things that we're able to distinguish ourselves. We're always looking at our unique selling proposition. You know, I remember an example, a business coach of ours gave one time, they said, if you and four competitors put your flyer out there, what would be different about your firm than anybody else? We had to think about what are we doing that's different from somebody else to provide more value. And so some of the things we do at our firm is we want to make sure we have a relationship with our clients. So we don't charge them for phone calls or emails, whereas a lot of firms, they'll charge them at an hourly rate. When we were at firms like that, it just made it so we didn't have that continued relationship. It left a bad feeling, but we want to have that continued relationship so we can better serve our clients. They come back to us, we get more referrals. And so that's a business model that works really well for us. And usually if the client finds it valuable, then it's a no brainer because that a little extra cost is minimal compared to the value that they're receiving. I mean, little things like we offer different legal documents that most people don't include that focus on the younger children in the family. So, I mean, there were all sorts of unique things that our firm offered to clients that our competitors weren't. And that's why when people were shopping for estate plans, they can see they're going to get something different with us than they can get from the competitor. And that warrants more of a fee. Right. And, you know, and so some of this conversation, this is coming kind of from the business owner. You know, I remember when I was a young associate, I wanted to get paid more too, right? I wanted to increase income because I had my own goals on what I wanted to do. And I would say most of the associates I was working with just wanted to get paid more. They're like, we're working hard. We see what the owners are making. We should be making the same amount without really understanding though, what brought value to the company what actually made the most money for the company. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because it depends on the seat you're in, right? Because when I was an employee, I felt the same way. I'm like, why am I not getting paid more? And then when I became a business owner, I realized how much it took to truly run a company and how much cost there was and how much risk and sleepless nights and all of those things. And so if you are an employee, I do think it is really important for you to try and figure out what is the value that you bring to your company? What are you providing that they can't really get from another employee? And one of the things that you can also do is figure out what you're worth to another company for a similar role. We had a friend where he did the math. He realized how much money he was making his company based on how many deals he had done and what they made off of it. And then he went to the competitor and found out what they would pay him if he were to leave the company. And knowing that figure, when he went back to his company ready to leave to go to the competitor and showed them all of the money he had made them, they paid him such an insane amount of money. And I know this because we, we saw the contract as lawyers. He, they paid him such an insane amount of money that our jaws dropped where we were like, never again will we pay for dinner when we go out with this couple. And so I think what he did was really great, though, because he didn't just go into his company and demand a raise. He did the research to truly determine his value to the company and to the competitor. And that's what gave him the leverage to go and get that raise that he truly deserved. He did go to his company first to see if they would give him a raise and he was getting passed over. And so 
you know, hopefully your boss will be able to see the value when you show it to them. But if they don't, then, you know, one option is to see what else is going on in the marketplace. Something that you can do as an employee as well is, you know, have a conversation with your boss and see what really does bring value. What makes the company money? What, where are the biggest margins at? So you can see if that's something that you can help out with. If anybody came to me and said, hey, I want to help you increase your income, of course, they're going to be open to you know the possibilities and the ideas. And so it may not be directly where it's just work more hours, because that may not be what you want. But what if you can bring in more business and you can get a percentage or some sort of referral fee? There's different ways where you can add value to the company and justify making a higher income without putting too much extra undue burden and stress on the company. Sure. I'm just thinking of the people who work at our law firm where they are sharing in the success of the law firm because that's how their structure is set up. I mean, as business owners, if someone's making us money, I want to keep them all day long. And I want to make sure they're taken care of financially because at the end of the day, without them, I'm going to be making less money. And so I think that's the key if you are on the employee side is to figure out your true value and how you can showcase to the owners that you are making them money. Another way that you can increase your income is to figure out what other income streams you can create. The key, though, is you want them directly related to what you're already doing. So think of it this way. If I'm taking three friends to Vegas and one more friend wants to hop in the car and come on the trip, well, that's not really going to require a lot more. I was already going in that direction. I already fueled up the car. There's a seat. We can have that person sit in and the hotel's there. By the way, and of course, I never get to go to Vegas with friends, but I'm just fantasizing here. But let's pretend I did. That would be easy. Well, and two, you'd have another person who can help with the driving because you don't want to do that either. True, true. That would be easy, right? But what if that same friend said, hey, can you give me a ride to San Francisco? Well, that would require me to go in a whole separate direction, plan a whole separate trip, right? More resources with the gas and the time. And it would be a major inconvenience. So you really want to think about that when it comes to creating additional income streams, because any of us can get side jobs that are unrelated to what we're doing, but that's going to usually require new resources, all new hours, all new time. We don't want to have to do that. And so when you really focus on your core competency, you really then want to see what is it that you can be doing that is directly related to what you're already doing that will bring in more money. For example, at our law firm, this is something that we look at all the time because we do estate planning and so we do family trust, but there are several different sub areas and niches within that field that we can add on. And so when we had started out, the focus was on families with young kids. Naturally though, we were having clients then who they had their parents come to us or they were business owners. And so they had additional specific needs such as creating a business or they had a child with a disability so they needed a special needs trust or they were worried about their assets and so they needed asset protection protection or tax planning. These were natural areas that were coming up based on our core competency. And we already had the clients, so we didn't have to go do a whole new marketing venture. These were people who were coming to us to request these services. And so when we were first starting out, these were areas that we had to go refer out. And so we were looking at it where there were so many clients who were asking in these specific areas and we had speaking opportunities and ways to get to them where we decided to, over time, bring on these different areas. This was something where we just didn't bring it on overnight without doing our homework. 
cross our fingers and hope we don't commit malpractice. <laughs> yeah, that was not the strategy. You know, we needed to get really good at every one of those areas. And so we would take classes. A lot of times we would co-counsel with somebody who's already done this a hundred times. So we had that great competency. We can have somebody run us through the ropes. And so maybe initially we had to share some fees on that first couple rounds, but then going forward, we had the confidence and the understanding so we could provide a great service and then be able to um, offer that to our clients in-house as opposed to having to outsource it. Yeah. And we hired on some people that were experts in those areas who could directly do it at our law firm instead of farming it out to theirs. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's so many different ways that you could do it for other things that we were naturally referring out. There's referral fees that we could get. And, you know, they have to be legal and valid, but there was just some additional licensing that we needed to get. And then we were able to get a referral fee. There's different ways that you can generate income streams. Look at what you're already doing. Look at your process on what things you're referring out or what people are asking you to do and seeing how you can best take those on. Yeah. I mean, I saw this with a local photographer where she was a fantastic wedding photographer. Many people would use her. And apparently there was some kind of issue where she needed to get more money. I'm not totally clear on the facts, but what she ended up doing was teaching photographers on the weekend on how to be a great wedding photographer. And that was so great because, yeah, it required a little extra time on the weekends, but she already had the core competency skill of being a great photographer. She already had the equipment. She already had the name recognition. So it really was just dollars on the table that she was able to pick up by simply teaching the class on the weekends to people that wanted to learn from her. Teaching is a great way because then you also establish yourself as the expert. So then when people go to look to hire you, you're the person who teaches everybody on it. So it just adds to your authority and your credibility when you're marketing yourself. So really think about what you're providing right now in your job as your core competency and think about what are things that are directly related to what you're doing that you could simply add on and it wouldn't require a whole lot of new training or a whole lot of new hours or a whole lot of new work. I mean, it's something as simple as I'm thinking of the guy who installed our TV this weekend. He was there and I said, hey, do you hang other things? Because obviously he knows how to measure and he was able to hang a painting for us little things like that, just looking at things that you're already doing. Right. You know, and just another example I was thinking of is that we have a friend who develops websites. And one of the natural things was to do advertising on the website. And it was just a natural add on in progression that he didn't have to go get a whole new client base to be able to do. Yeah. So again, going back to the Vegas analogy, right? And think about where are you already going? What resources do you already have? What's your skill set? What's the natural additional income streams that are directly related to that core business that you provide that you can add on? Yeah. And I think that's a good segue since we're on the driving topic <laughs> is that the third ways that we can increase our income is to monetize the assets that we already have. What things do you have that you can use and monetize? A few years ago, our son, he had a friend who was staying with us abroad and he wanted to that go was up, last summer. Oh, it was last summer. Yeah. He wanted to go up the coast and we were going to be doing a trip. And so normally we would fly up to the Bay Area, but for whatever reason, there wasn't enough. Oh, there, the flight. Oh, there, there wasn't was, a flight that morning to get us there in time for the Giants versus Oakland game. That's that right. The boys we're, wanted. We were going to go to a game and that was the only day that we could go to a game and it just wasn't going to work on a flight. So we we're going to have to drive. Now, anybody who knows Lauren's been around here, <laughs> there's basically a rule where she doesn't travel more than Stop. literally two okay. exits away. No. <laughs> um, but no, she just she's just not a big fan of driving typically. And so we had to think of a creative way to get up the coast in a way that would be fun, even though we're going to have to drive. And so I was researching. I thought, well, one thing that Laura has wanted to do is get a Tesla. She loves 
Tesla. She wanted to buy stock when it first came I out. Just, just lo- loves kind of the idea of the car. So we said, well, this would be a great opportunity. Let's see if we can rent one. You know, normally if you go to kind of like the big major brand places, that's not where you can go rent a Tesla. They're not as easy to get. There was a website where you can lease a car for a day or two and they have a lot more options, especially for kind of high end cars. So we ended up renting a Tesla and taking it up the coast. And Laura got to talk to the guy who was renting out to see what the deal was with this business. Yeah. And he just basically said all he had to do is put his Tesla on a couple days a month and it paid for the car payment. So think what you own that you could potentially monetize. If you do own a Tesla, I'm jealous, but a lot of our Bay Area clients, it's very common for them to rent out a room because there's hardly enough hotels up in the Bay Area when you go to stay there and the cost is insane. And so they rent out a room, which is a joke because at our house, I can't imagine anyone paying to stay with us in our chaos. Yeah, I don't think they would. (laughs) We would have to refund them. But think about, you know, could you rent out a room? to somebody and make more money that way? Or could you rent out your house for the weekend? You go stay with a friend. If you have equipment, specialized equipment, you're a photographer or you have any kind of high-tech items, could you rent that out to people that wouldn't necessarily be able to afford it? Think about what assets you already own that you could monetize. Could you sell things on eBay you're not using? So get creative. And then the other piece is to also look at your financial like assets. I know I had a client that had a large, sum of money just sitting in a savings account. And I said, why, why do you have money just sitting in that account? And she said, well, we were going to use it to buy a home, but we're not sure now. And now it's been sitting there two years. Well, that's two years where that account has sat in a like a totally low return savings account where if she had just done some short-term investments, they could have made a lot of money off of it. So do an assessment of your accounts. Look at your retirement accounts, look at your bank accounts and figure out, is there a way you could be naturally making more money off of those accounts? Well, and a lot of times too, you can consolidate where you're going to be paying less fees, less costs. And so that's just going to increase your overall return in percentage. So it's a great time to just always audit that to make sure you're getting the best value for what you're paying for as well. Yeah. So look at the assets that you have and figure out if there is a way that you can monetize off of them, because that's not going to take a whole lot of time. In fact, I want to add on. I know a restaurant that they're only open in the afternoons and evenings. Well, they'll rent out the restaurant to companies who need meeting space in the mornings, things like that. Or if you have a warehouse that they could rent out on the weekend and turn it into an event venue. So just to think about what you already have and if there is a way to increase money off of it. Today in our mailbag segment, we have a couple of questions about dealing with your boss and increasing your rates. If you'd like us to answer your questions, please visit us at ifliferperfect.com or use the hashtag AskTheMyers. We are always happy to help. Our first question today is from Terry. Terry writes in, I've been working at the same marketing firm for two years. During that time, I've worked hard to bring more value to the company by taking on additional tasks that are honestly outside the scope of my job. But I did them because I thought demonstrating my value to the company would be rewarded with a promotion or at least a raise. In spite of that, I've watched as management has repeatedly given higher positions to people from outside the organization, and I find that really frustrating. What is the right way to tell your boss that you don't think they're fairly rewarding your hard work? I think a lot of people could identify with Terry because that is frustrating when you feel like you're putting in all this hard work and all this time, you're doing everything you can, and then you're getting passed up. And then worse, you're watching outsiders get brought in um, and promoted over you. Yeah, I would be really frustrated if I was in this situation. 
Yeah. And so I think, Terry, you're on the right track. You do. You're already thinking about, you know, telling your you're you're asking what's the right way to tell your boss. So you're on the right track. in the fact that you understand, yes, in these circumstances, you do need to have a conversation with your boss. And so if there's not a natural time set aside, like a review that's on the you know calendared already to do that, I do think you are going to want to ask to schedule some time to talk with your boss. And when you do that, um, I would sit down and approach it in the positive. So I wouldn't launch in yet to money or what other people are getting paid or any of that, because that's going to really downward spiral the conversation quick. Well, it's going to take the focus off of you. It's going to start focusing, comparing you versus somebody else. And that's not where you want to go. You want to look at what value you're bringing to the company and why you should be getting a raise, not comparing you to somebody else. Yeah. And so I wouldn't even use the word money or raise when you sit down. Um, When you're negotiating salary, you really want to start with your value. And so get the boss to agree with you on the value that you have brought. Bring up, I've done these tasks. I've done, you know, additional tasks. These are my core tasks. Get the boss to agree. Yes, I know that you're doing those things. So then there's no argument there on what services you are currently providing. Yeah, get the buy-in. Yeah. And then the next piece is say, great, well, this is what I'm doing. And this is the direction I want to go. Let your boss know what you want for the future and take the guesswork out for her or for him and say, you know, I'd like to grow into these roles or what's the path if I want to get into this area. So you kind of chart out what you want. So that's on his or her radar. So they understand your intentions, the direction you're headed and um, the things you're willing to do to get into those positions. Yeah. And then increasing income is the natural progression. I mean, I think everybody, it goes without saying, I mean, you need to say it, but it goes without saying that if you're trying to increase your role, increase your responsibility, that that's going to come with added incentives, usually relating to income. Yeah. So I would, after acknowledging like, okay, so we agree, you know, that I'm doing these things. We agree. This is the path that I'm now on now, you know, what's the what is the appropriate compensation piece for that and you can certainly introduce like hey this is my understanding of what um, the market is paying for these area you know for these services and you can provide some support or and then you can ask you know what do you think the value is for this and what else do I need to be doing to hit kind of these compensation goals and you can say like I'm willing to get creative if there's commissions that could be involved or you know whatever it is, or new tasks you want me to do. But that is a great way of getting them to buy in. And you're not just simply walking in saying, I deserve a raise. You're really showcasing your value. You're giving the boss creative ways where they can give you more income. That's not necessarily just a raise. So just to sit down and talk at the end of the conversation about the compensation piece. And I think you'll find that you're going to see an increase in income. And after all of that, if they don't see your value, it's just like in the dating game. If they don't see your value, you dump them. Love it. All right. Lawrence writes, I have been a massage therapist for seven years. I recently completed some additional training and upgraded my certification, which has allowed me to offer a greater range of specialized services, including injury rehab and sports therapy. Because of this, I have decided to raise my rates, partially to cover the cost of my training and partially the value of my service has gone up. What is the best way to inform my long-term clients about the rate increase well, without alienating or disappointing them? 
Okay, Lawrence, you are making me want a massage. Uh, congratulations on your new certifications. That's awesome. Um, you're obviously investing a lot in yourself and your clients are the ones that will benefit from that. So really, when you want to raise your fees as a business owner, the way, the best way to go about that is to be conveying to your client base the new value that they're receiving or the increased value that they're going to receive. And I think, you know, keeping the focus on that increases in rates is going to be kind of the natural progression there. So if you're able to explain to them why you have these new certifications and what that means to them and explain to them how these new techniques are going to be able to help in additional circumstances or make them feel even better for a longer period of time or whatever the added value and benefit is. And then that's the natural way then to be able to introduce the fees that are associated with that. Yeah. So focus just first primarily on the value. And that's great. You got the certifications, but certainly you want to convey at the end of the day how that brings value to them in their experience. And then the other piece is when you do introduce your new rates, I don't think it needs to be in the context of my rates have gone up. I think it's more in the context of introducing it to your clients of the new value that they're receiving. You know, these are our new services. I'm now offering injury rehab or sports therapy along with the other basic massage services I'm providing, whatever it is, but focus on that value that they're getting. And then all you have to do is say, here are the current rates for 2019. And it can be a list you know, the prices listed out for the services they get. When you do that for the services that aren't specialized, right, that your clients are used to getting, I would suggest don't drastically increase them because, you know, we have a favorite ski resort where we've gone for years. They needed to increase their rates. Everybody knew it. But when they did it, didn't they do it by like 50 percent? Oh, yeah. It was a huge jump where you're like, hmm. Oh, I mean, some people were like livid. They're like, how could they do this to us? You know, we've been there so long. I mean, they literally took it personally. And like some of them canceled going on the ski trip this year um, because they were upset about it. They felt almost targeted. So don't have the basic services increase so drastically, um, but definitely increase it to take into account that you are, you know, adding more value to them. And another technique that people taught, you know, us when we were starting our business and introducing our fees is that when you introduce these fees, it is a great idea to laminate the costs of the services, even if they're on display at the place, because then clients will understand that this isn't targeted to them or anybody else. Like this is for everybody. This is the value. And then the the kind of afterthought is here's the new rates or current rates. Yeah, this is what everybody's paying. So I'm going to pay it too. And I think one of the things that where the ski resort failed is that they increased their rates by a ton, but there was no introduction as to what extra value or services, if they would have brought up the fact that they have all these new chairlifts or upgraded services or more staff or whatever, then it would have made me feel better about the rates. But in, in my mind, it was we increased the rates, but nothing else changed. Yeah. And so definitely convey the value. And by the way, you might lose a client or two. And that's OK, because, again, you never want to be competing on being the cheapest or just on the cost. If you find, though, that you're losing several clients over the rate increase, then you really need to go back and do the analysis and two, to make sure that your rates are on par with the market. But I have a feeling, Lawrence, that you're not going to lose a whole lot of customers and you will be able to provide so much more value to the ones that stay with you and to the ones who come. 
As always, we want to give you a quick step to help you put into practice some of the principles we've discussed on this episode. So in today's quick step, we want you to think of one way that you can increase your income. This could be that you need to raise your prices. You could ask a raise, but make sure that you know your value and understand why you deserve that raise or how you're going to increase your value to justify that raise. Think about if you have an extra room that you rent out. Uh, Is there a class that you can teach on the side? Is there something that you can do in your life to be able to increase your income while also though making sure it's not meaning that you're working 24 hours a day? On the next episode of If Life Were Perfect, we'll be talking about time management. And just like taking control of your finances is critical to getting to where you want to be, taking control of your time is just as important. And we'll be sharing some great tips you can implement in your own life so that you can be sure you're spending your time in the absolute best way. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And get our quick steps in your inbox each week. We provide additional information and guidance for the quick step through our emails. You can subscribe at ifliferperfect.com. 